And now then, what we're going to do this morning is, is have a Bible study. So if you don't have a Bible, if you didn't bring one this morning, uh, somebody will help you get one. There should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, I would like for you, while we're getting going here, to turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. And we're going to take the probably what is the most difficult passage in the Bible and talk about it. It's the one that's disputed a great deal and it's misunderstood by so many. But uh, as you turn to that, let's talk about John chapter 6. When Jesus said that he was the bread... Uh, he is he is in in contact in context. He is talking to a group of people who have followed him from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. Now, John chapter six in the first fourteen verses. If you've got your Bible open, if you don't have a Bible, hold your hand up and we'll get one to you. If you need a Bible, I'd like to have everybody in the audience with a Bible in your hand. Turn to John chapter six. Okay, everybody's got one. The first 14 verses deals with a situation where Jesus was talking to a multitude. He had just left Jerusalem and come up on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And he's talking to the people and he noticed that they're hungry. And so he gets Philip and he asks Philip, he said, uh, what are we going to feed these folks? And Philip said, he turned to Andrew and said, Andrew, what are we going to feed these folks? And Andrew went and found a young man who had five loaves and two fish. And he brought them to Jesus. And Jesus said, feed the people with this. And they did. They fed the multitudes. Five thousand men plus women and children. So they fed them. After he fed, fed them, then he departed by himself and the disciples got in the boat because there's generally a lot of boats along the seashore. The disciples got in a boat and went across the other side and Jesus said he would join them there. Now, during the night, and the other, other context is found in Matthew 14 and places like that where it tells more about what happened, but during the night a storm came up and the, the disciples or apostles were rowing across the water, and a storm came up, and Jesus appeared to them walking on water. And Peter said, if it's you, Lord, let me come to you. And so he stepped out of the boat and tried to walk over to Jesus. And when he lost his courage and his faith, he started to sink, and Jesus caught him and stood him up and got back in the boat. They went across the water. In the morning, the people that had been with Jesus and had eaten followed him. They said, where is he? And they noticed that he was on the other side. So they all got in boats and came across to where Jesus was. And Jesus said to them, you followed me not because you've seen the miracles. And now I'm, I'm in John chapter 6. And if you'd, if you'd like to read along in this context, in John chapter 6 at verse 25, it says they found him on the other side of the sea. What we're going to do is do some exegetical study of the book of John in chapter 6 in order to understand the most difficult text in the New Testament for sure. 
It said, they found him on the other side of the sea and they said unto him, Rabbi, how'd you get here? Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, you seek me not because you did see the miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. They wanted something, to, they wanted more to eat. Now, you have to realize what they're looking for. They want to be taken care of. And he says, you, feed, you, you seek me because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Now, here's, here's an important text that we have to put our pen down and say, okay, we'll come back to this one. Labor not for the meat that perishes, but for that meat that endures everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, for him has God the Father sealed. So he says, don't labor for meat that will spoil. Okay? We're not going to be talking about meat that spoils. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They wanted, the, they wanted more fish, wanted more loaves. They wanted to be taken care of. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on Him who is sent. Now you're going to see two things in this, in this reading. The first thing you're going to see is, Jesus is going to continue to remind them to believe in Him. And the second thing He's going to say is, if you believe in Me, you will have life everlasting. Two things. That's all He's going to say all through this chapter. Now, they said unto Him, What sign will you show us that we may see and believe what you do work? Now, they would just gotten through eating. 5,000 men, plus women and children, having a meal on five loaves and two fish. They said, what sign are you going to show us? And they had already seen the miracles, and that's why they were following Him. They said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Now I'm going to take you back to Moses and the departure of Israel from Egypt. Now that this took place early on in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. After the plagues, there were ten plagues in Egypt so that Israel was going to be turned loose. The Pharaoh didn't want to let, let them go. And it took ten plagues to finally convince them to let Israel go. Now when Israel left, it, they left 600,000 strong men capable of working and fighting, plus women and children. And the Bible says that they left so fast that they didn't get to take a lot of food and stuff with them. But they did take a lot of things from the Egyptians. And they did take their, their breadboards. I don't know whether any of you ladies know what a breadboard is. Anybody know what a breadboard is? <laughs> yes, sure do. David even knows what a breadboard is. It's what you knead the bread on and make bread. They had been making unleavened bread. Because they, they had been having a feast of the Passover. Now the Passover feast was preceded by seven days of a lack, no leaven. Which meant that the bread didn't rise, it stayed flat. You know what a pita bread is and you know what flat bread looks like? That's what they had. That's what God told them to eat. And if they had any kind of drink, if it was wine, 
it was unfermented because they couldn't have any leaven in it. It had to be grape juice like you partook of this morning. So they had unleavened bread. The Bible doesn't say they had grape juice here, but Jesus talks about it later when he took, when he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. But anyway, what we're going to talk about here is Moses, when he, when he took the children of Israel out of Egypt, led them out of Egypt, the children of Israel, it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 31, they saw the great works of God. When Moses got to the Red Sea, God said, lift up your rod and hold it over the sea, and the waters parted. They went across on dry land, got on the other side, and the Egyptians perished when the waters came back together. One month later, one month later, they ran out of food. They did carried enough on their backs and so forth that they had enough food, apparently, to last them for about a month. Now they ask the question, what are we going to eat? They asked Moses, what are we going to eat? And so God said he would feed them bread from heaven. Psalms chapter 78 talks about bread from heaven. Manna, he gave them manna. That's what these fellows were talking about in John chapter 6. He gave them manna, bread from heaven. Now what we don't understand is this, and what generally you don't hear is that God said you can have manna in the morning, bread in the morning, and they could fix it any way they wanted. They could boil it. They could broil it. They could fry it. They could eat it raw. They could eat it any way they wanted. But God said, eat manna in the morning and meat in the evening. Meat in the evening. Where were they going to get the meat? That was a question that came up in Moses' mind. That was a question that came up in their mind. They said, hey, where are we going to get any meat? And so Moses asked God in Numbers chapter 11, this is a repeat, this is a repeat of, Numbers, of Exodus chapter 16. Moses said, Lord, there's 600,000 men. Shall I give them flesh to eat for a month? Shall the flocks and herds be slain for them? Or all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? What was going on with the children of Israel? God said, eat manna in the morning and eat meat at night. Where would they get the meat? The same place Jesus got the fish. You get it? They took with them, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 8, they took great flocks and herds with them. But they didn't have enough flocks and herds to feed that many people. But God said, eat meat in the evening. And they said, what meat? And so, as a retribution to them, God sent quails that came up about six feet in the air, for a long time until it ran out their ears and nose and mouth and they got sick of it. And he punished them for not believing in him. They were to eat the same kind of meat, the same thing, which means what? Well, if you think about what Jesus did in John chapter 6, he gave them the five loaves and two fishes. They took up, after they, everybody ate to their fill, it says, they took up how many? Twelve baskets. They saw a 58% increase in what they had to start with. So if the Israelites had gone out to their herds and had slain a couple of cattle, 
to eat, what would God have done? He would have increased it. And that's probably what went on after, after this whole episode. But regardless of that, let's get back to what, what uh, Jesus is saying in John chapter 6. Now, now he said, they said, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven. Jesus said, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. God gave you that bread. He's the one that gave you that bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if you eat me, he'll say later, if you partake of me, you'll have everlasting life. Let's get back to our text for just a minute. Now in verse 35, it says, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never thirst. That's the text we read. And uh, he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will no wise cast out. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, and shall raise it up again at the last day. You remember the two things I said to watch for? Believe on me, Jesus said. Everlasting life is what you'll have. That's what you'll get. This is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone that sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up again at the last day. Now I want to pause just here for a minute, because the text we're going to look at, basically, is the one that I'll show you in, in verse 54. Jesus said, Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat and reed, and my, my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. Now, this is, this is given rise, this particular text. And as we look at it, we'll show you how exegetically you can see what he's talking about. But they said, all of a sudden they said, oh, Eat your flesh, drink your blood. And later, when the Christians were observing what we call the Lord's Supper, what Paul called the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26, he called it the Lord's Supper. Some call it the Communion or the Eucharist. Anyway, what some people were saying then was that these people were cannibals. They were actually eating flesh and drinking blood like the idolaters were doing when they ate the flesh of a bull and drank the blood of the bull in order to capture the power of the bull. That was idolatry. So they were accusing Christians of eating like cannibals and drinking like, like vampires, drinking blood. Sometime in the second century, the mistaken notion came up that somebody had the power among that group of Christians to actually turn that unleavened bread into the actual body of Jesus. That's called transubstantiation. And that mistake has carried on down this very hour. There are people still who believe that. During the what, what was known as the Reformation, when, when the... When the uh, Protestant churches rose up against the Catholic church. They said, well, you're teaching transubstantiation. We don't believe that. We believe in consubstantiation, which means that it's not really the body and blood of Jesus. The priest doesn't actually turn the bread into the body of Jesus. And they actually believe they do that. Some a magical sort of source, they believe they turn the 
bread into the body of Jesus. They even talk about being careful with the crumbs and so forth, that it's actually the body of Jesus. And they talk about having to be able to preserve it from one time to the other because it is his actual body. And they're actually talking about something Jesus said we're not talking about. He said, labor not for the meat that perishes. Remember verse 27? That's exegetically correct. He was not talking about actual bread turning into meat. Anyway, the Reformation says, no, it's not, it's not the body of Jesus. The bread isn't. Actually, when, when the priest or the bishop prays, he puts the body under the bread. That's called consubstantiation. Basically, what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 26, and this is, this is the, the text we'll have to look at, verse 26 through 29, he took the bread at the Passover, it was unleavened bread, and he told the apostles when he broke the bread, he actually had bread in his hands, he broke the bread and he gave it to them, he said, take, eat, this is my body. What did they understand? They knew he was not giving them a toe or a knuckle or a finger or an ear. They knew he was not giving them his body. He was giving them pieces of bread. And he was not saying, I'm turning this into my body. He said, this do in remembrance of me. When you break the bread, remember, that's what I used to do. I used to break the bread. And that's what they would remember. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 23 through 26. He said, this do in remembrance of me. So it's a memorial. It's not a transfiguration. It's, trans, it's not a transconsubstantiation uh, trans con, or consum... I can't even think it. can't even say it. <laughs> It's not transubstantiation, and it's not consubstantiation. It's actually taking something and saying, this represents, when you do this, think about me. Well, we'll show you how that works in just a minute. Okay, now then, he's still saying to them, and that's what, what we did this morning. We had the bread, which was unleavened bread. And it was, it's unleavened because that's what Jesus was using at the Passover. And the fruit of the vine is grape juice. It's not fermented because that's what Jesus used. They, they couldn't have any, anything that had leaven or fermentation in it during that Passover. So Jesus was using grape juice. And that's what we did this morning. And what we simply did was we said, we remember that Jesus used to do this. And we remember him. Because that's what he did. He ate with people. He ate with common people. He loved the masses. And when he fed the 5,000, he broke the bread. When he, when he met with the disciples after his resurrection, he broke the bread in Luke chapter 24. And he says, oh, that's how we remember him. And on the seashore, when he had breakfast with the apostles, and they came, they came to the shore in John chapter 21. And when they came to the shore, Jesus broke the bread. And they said, that's Jesus. So when the breaking of bread actually represented what Jesus used to do. That's what we remember. Some of you have lost friends, family, relatives. And you will sometimes be jolted into memory of them when you see something that they used to do. Isn't that right? Amen. My stepdad used to get out in the garden and, and uh, dig around in the garden in the, in the ground. I don't do that. But he used to, <laughs> he, he used to dig around and, and plant things. And I, I'll, I'll go along sometimes and I'll go past the place that I last saw him digging in the ground. And I'll think, Pop, I miss you. You see? 
It's something that I see that He was doing. That's what happens when we break the bread, the Lord's Supper. Jesus, we remember You. We miss You. We want You. We We want to think about You. Okay, now, the rest of this, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Verse 36, I say unto you that you've seen me and believe not. All that the Father has given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. I am come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. He's talking about eternal life again. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Two things. Believe on him, everlasting life. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Joseph, the son of this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him. I'll raise him up the last day. Come to me and I'll raise you up. That's called resurrection. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that heard and that learned of the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He's seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. He said it again. He that believes on me has everlasting life. He's just, why is he repeating this? Why is he still telling these guys, he, if you see me and believe on me, you have everlasting life. He just keeps repeating it to them. Your fathers ate man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven that a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I will give you my flesh for the life of the world. Where did he do that? On the cross. He died on the cross. How do I partake of that? I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh... And he died on the cross. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't believe that he came as a spirit. I don't believe he came as a myth. I don't believe he came as a tale, a fairy tale. I believe that Jesus actually walked on this earth in the flesh. And he took that fleshly body and he willingly went to the cross and died for me. And I'm going to absorb that whole thing into my life. That whole concept. I'm going to take that all in. Well, they weren't. He, he repeated it four times, and they still didn't get it. So what did he say? The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now they're not even thinking about what he said. What did he say? Believe on me, I'll give you everlasting life. Believe on me, I'll give you everlasting life. They said, how can this man give us his flesh? They, they, they didn't think of anything about what he said. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh, the Son of Man, drink his blood, you have no life in you. I'm, I'm wondering if he just got frustrated with them and said, Here, here I'm going to say it another way. 
And the way I'm going to say it is, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And what did they... Because He came to give Himself to them. He came to give Himself wholeheartedly to them. His whole body and his, everything He had, He's going to give to them. And He was going to spill His blood on the cross for them. And they're saying, what are you going to do to show us you are who you are? What do you give us? Jesus said, Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. Okay. Verse 33 says, He who comes down from heaven, he's the bread of life. Verse 35 says, I am the bread of life. Verse 48 says, I am that bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread. Then he says, see if I can get this to change. He says, I'm the true bread. Now he's the non-perishable bread. So he's not talking about skin and bones, is he? When he says, I am the non-perishable bread, I will give you bread that does not perish. It won't spoil. So he's not talking about his, his flesh and bones. He said he is, verse 32 through 33, he's the bread from heaven. Verse 51, a man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. So he's saying, I'm the one that you need. I'm the bread of life. Now, in verse 50, he says, He that eats this bread shall not die. Okay. Verse 51, Eat of this bread, you'll live forever. Verse 54, He that eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up. And verse 57, He that, he that eats me, eats this bread, shall live forever. So, you're going to eat and you're going to live. Now then, let's look at this. We're doing a little exegetical study. Verse 27 and 28, he says, if you, if You'll have everlasting life if you believe on Him. If you believe on Him. Verse 36, He that comes to me, believes in me, will never hunger or thirst. Right? Verse 40, He that sees the Son, believes on Him, may have everlasting life. Now, do you see what he's saying? If you have the bread, you have everlasting life. If you eat the bread, you have everlasting life. If you believe on Jesus, you have everlasting life. He that believes on me has everlasting life. The things that are equal, two things that are equal to the same thing are the same. That's an analogy. And that's that's a, a syllogism. Things that are equal to each other are equal to the same thing. Eating his flesh and believing on him is equal to the same thing. That's what he means. When he says, He that eats my flesh, he's saying, He that believes on me. He's not saying any more or any less than that. That's what he's saying. Now, some some says, Well, wait, 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 wait. He says, If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have everlasting life. Now, think about this. Everyone, let's say we believe in transubstantiation, and I got up this morning and and because I had some power in me that was given to me somehow by the Lord, I turned that bread into the flesh of Jesus. That would mean that everyone in this audience that ate that bread 
is going to live forever. Do you believe that? Anyone that comes in and eats that bread will live forever. That's not true, is it? You can see the falsity of that statement. You can see the mistake that's made. It's all over you. People that go to a church and the priest puts the wafer in his mouth, just because he's there and eats that bread does not mean he's going to live forever. But you know who's going to live forever? The one who believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That's the one who's going to believe forever. And that's what this, these texts are saying. And it says, as a matter of fact, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you eat his flesh and drink his blood, and I want to tell you what that is. You know what it is, just as well as I do. Because when you hear the story of Jesus Christ, you eat it up. I do. I take it all in, brother and sister. I take it all in. I consume that. I consume the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He has come in the flesh. 1 Timothy 5, verse 6. God in the flesh. I believe that. And I totally commit myself to Him, and He has totally committed Himself to me. Therefore, we have everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 was read this morning by a brother. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How do you get Christ in your heart? Not by eating a wafer. You get Christ in your heart because you believe that He is the Son of God and you've committed your life to it. I mean you have committed your life. You are all in. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you take Him all in. Not just part of Him. You take Him all in. Do you believe that He died on the cross? Do you believe in His flesh, that He walked Calvary? He got as far as He could before Simon had to help Him carry that cross piece to the cross? That He died on the cross and that His blood was shed when the, when, the, when the soldier poked Him through the ribs up into His heart? The blood came out. Do you believe that? I do. I'm going to take it all in. And if you're going to go to heaven, if you're going to, if you're going to be there with Jesus... And if He's going to live in you, you're going to have to take it all in too. You're going to eat His flesh and drink His blood. You're going to have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I think you do. Now, if you need to express yourself this morning, prayers, or want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to give you that opportunity. If we can get art up here, we're going to sing a song. (laughs) We're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you... Feel the need to make that confession this morning. Why don't you come as we stand and sing together?